Welcome to this week's episode of Quiddity on the Circe Podcast Network, where we engage in the classical spirit of inquiry. I'm your guide, Brandon LeBlanc. Five years ago, Matthew Bianco and Buck Holler sat down with David Kern to discuss mentorship. In many ways, mentorship is at the core of what we do at Circe. It is built into our curriculum, consulting, and training. In fact, Buck and Matt both serve as head mentors in our teacher training apprenticeships. So I wanted to revisit this conversation to remind ourselves of the importance of mentorship in classical education. Let's go back for a refresher. Hello and welcome to the Cersei Institute Podcast Network. You are listening to Quiddity and I'm David Kern here with Matt Bianco and Buck Holler. Uh, Matt and Buck are both heavily involved in our apprenticeship program. And as we've been thinking about the apprenticeship this year and um, kind of the ideas that drive it and uh, the ideas that, that make it what it is and and the relationships that make it what it is, we started thinking about the idea of mentorship. So we thought that why not bring Buck and Matt on together and let's have a conversation about mentorship, what it is, why it works, all that kind of stuff. So uh, Matt, Buck, how's it going? It's going well. Going well here, yeah. Um, Buck, you are, you've been involved with the apprenticeship for a while, or you were, you went through the apprenticeship and then you kind of headed it up for a little while and then you've um, been doing some other things, but you're back to to start a new uh, East Coast apprenticeship group. Uh, could you kind of tell us, a little, tell us a little bit about who you are and then why you wanted to jump back into the apprenticeship? Yeah, sure. It's a good question. Um, who I am? Well, I'm Buck Holler. <laughs> yeah, you know, for, those, for people that don't know, some people will know you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so originally I'm, I'm from California and uh, I grew up basically rodeoing and uh, training horses for a living. And um, went back to school and kind of moved across the country. And I found the Cersei Institute while I was teaching at a Christian classical school in New York City, of all places. Hmm. And, uh, and for me, really, at that time, um, the question that I came across, I landed in a school that was a Christian classical school. It was the first I've ever heard of this. And um, my big question was, one, what was it? And then, uh, two, how do I do it? And in doing that, I first came across Chris Perrin's uh, little pamphlet um, on an introduction to classical education. And in the back of that pamphlet was a bibliography of resources. And uh, one of those resources was Andrew's book, um, Christian Classical Education Movement Sweeping Across America. And so I read that, and then Andrew's book had a number of resources in the back of it, and you know I stumbled on Cersei Institute, and I didn't put two and two together at first um, that Andrew was associated with Cersei Institute. But while I was hmm. looking on the webpage, I found the apprenticeship, and it answered the very question that I was seeking, because the answer, at least uh, what the apprenticeship program said there, was that it was purpose to teach people how to teach classically. And, uh, so that, that caught me and I, I jumped in. And, uh, so I, that's, that started my involvement probably almost 10 years ago now, I think, um, or close to it. And, uh, and and anyway, so I, yeah, I got involved with it and, uh, that's, that's, uh, how I, how I found it. So you did the entire three-year program and Mm -hmm. then... Uh, you kind of did some administrative work kind of behind the scenes with it for a while. And then, like I said, you went off and you've been doing some other things, but now you're back to be a head mentor. Um, Can you explain why you're motivated or I don't know if motivated is the right word, but why you wanted to come back and and kind of do that other job? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I, of course, I fell in love with the Searcy Institute, and I was wanting to be involved any way I could. And the doors had opened up for me to to be involved, and uh, mm. which led me to the behind the scenes work for for a while. Um, at that same time, I had moved to North Carolina and uh, Eastern North Carolina, as we call it here, um, east of Hi- Highway 95. And um, I found a Christian classical school there and began teaching there. And it was implementing all of the stuff that I had learned with um, the apprenticeship, teaching lost tools of writing. Um, but as the school was going through transitions and growing at the same time, it required more and more attention from me. And then I also began farming. So I started raising chickens <laughs> and turkeys and uh, another and rabbits and and, tur- and uh, so it, it was pulling me away from being able to do all of that stuff at the same time. And uh, so I pulled back to uh, to uh, focus on trying to learn how to farm, basically, and how to um, and the, the responsibilities that were pulling me out of the school here where I was teaching and still am teaching. Um, but I, th- we've been, I've been in here at the school for eight years now and, uh, I've got a nice little farm going and, uh, it seems like things are balancing out and, and, uh, the opportunity arose to, to mentor, which is something I've been doing in my own school actually too, with some of my teachers. Hmm. And, uh, I thought that, uh, the opportunity to not so much be, uh, involved with managing or, or directing and, and doing a lot of the the uh, legwork behind the scenes, but uh, uh, being able to just teach would be a, a great place to be. So you got how do you get you guys know each other, right? Were you in the program together at the same time? Yes, well, I Matt came in. I think the last year I was in the program. Okay, so Matt, what was your first impression of Buck? Uh-oh. Actually, I should ask. I should ask the other way around, shouldn't I? Because you were the. <laughs> Buck was the uh, the the older. Well, I don't know about older. I don't. I'm, I'm not going to assume that. But he was the uh, the, gra- no. the the head, the mentor, and you were the the apprentice. Uh, I'm just kidding. I want to actually ask that question. Um, so, mentorship is the key idea behind the apprenticeship. And Buck, I'm going to ask you this. Matt, we'll get to you in a second. But Buck, because you just mentioned that you've been doing this in your school, you have kind of been doing mm-hmm. some mentorship there. When yeah. you say that, what do you mean? Like, what does proper mentorship look like in, in your mind? Yeah. Um, one of the things I, um, what I did is I, I opened it up as a voluntary program in my own school to provide teacher training or the professional development as they call it. Um, yeah. and I, I did that because I didn't, I wanted the teachers to be voluntarily involved. Um, but the advantage of it, or I should say not the advantage, but the value of it, um, is really a time component. Uh, you know, there's a lot of professional development programs out there. You go to a conference for a weekend and or you go to this place or that place and you do something for a day. And it's it's not in my it's just not good. It's not I mean, you might find something useful for it, but it's the the lack that it has is that it doesn't give you the time to impress. And, um, which really leads me to think about something Edgar Allan Poe wrote in an essay called the poetic principle. He talks about good poetry as the steady pressing of the stamp upon the wax because it makes an impression Hmm. and that requires time. And so the value of a mentorship, the, the idea behind an apprenticeship type program is that, 
you're being impressed by by the mentor, and um, and that requires much, even a year. I, I mean, that's why I think I like that. That's why I like the mentor, the the Cersei apprenticeship, because I mean, it offers the option of a year to three years. But I don't think I think the true value comes out of it. You really need the three years. You need the the impression that takes place over time. Matt, do you have anything to add on that? Like what makes good mentorship? And I want to talk a little bit about like historically what that would have looked like and stuff and, and, you know, things like that. But would you have anything to add to that? Obviously time plays a big factor into that. Uh, you may yeah, it's, it's interesting uh, what, what Buck has said, because if you had asked me that question first, I would have given a different answer. Hmm. And, I, and I can touch on, on what my answer would have been in a moment. But what Buck, what your answer provides or makes me what makes me realize is looking back at my own experience in a in a mentoring program in, in this case the apprenticeship is that it wasn't until the second half of the second year when when I began noticing that I was changing when I began I, I to you to follow out the analogy when I began feel feeling the impression of the stamp on the wax. And, and and then it was it was going into that third year and through the third year when I when the the impression itself be started becoming recognizable. So that in that first year, the way I the way I normally describe it is that in that first year, I I my I would have I don't know that I ever would have admit, admitted this at the time during that first year, but looking back on the first year was that my purpose there was not to learn something, but to show everybody else that I knew something. Hmm. And, and it was, ha- it was halfway through the second year when that began shifting, when I started entering into the, the apprenticeship or entering into the, the mentoring, looking to be taught, looking to be, impressed. Um, and then, it, and then it was that third year when I began identifying, recognizing what the impression was. Hmm. So I, I agree. Like one of the things that I, that I often say is that, is that mentor mentoring needs to be, it needs to extend over, over, uh, a period of time, a, a lengthy period of time. Um, that it's not something that you can do as you were saying, you know, it's not something that you can do in a one day, in a one day workshop or a, or a weekend retreat or conference. Um, and those things have their places, but that, but that, that's not mentoring there. Mentoring requires that, that, you know, that extended relationship over, over, or over not just months or, or even a year, but over years. Mm. And, 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 and so I, I see that in my own experience and probably you do as well, which is why you're saying it. The, um, the, the answer I would have given which is which is not mutually exclusive with yours, of course. Um, just a different emphasis is that I think mentoring necessitates the relational aspect of it. There's there's a sense in which I can learn something about teaching or thinking or philosophizing or whatever, um, even even being a husband or a father or whatever. Uh, I can learn something about those things from a book, but. Or, or from a talk, a, a lecture, or whatever. But often, oftentimes, those those media tend to put kind of universal, universal um, pr- 
principles out there that that as a, as a as a newcomer to the idea, I need help. I need help particularizing them for myself, and that, that's that's the the role that a mentor can play. In that, if, when it's a relationship that extends over a period of time, is that there there's the opportunity for it to be, you know, for the universal to become particular for me as a as an apprentice, and for me to get immediate feedback. Right, the the you know the great painter teaching his apprentice how to paint, you know, sees the 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 apprentice doing what he's doing and can give an immediate feedback about the way he's holding his brush or the way he's moving the stroke across the canvas or whatever. That if I'm just reading it from a book or watching on a video, I don't I don't get that immediate feedback. So the uh, apprenticeship or a mentoring program offers, you know, those things as well. I think are essential. Yeah. So when I think of, um, I don't know why this is, but when I think of the idea of mentorship or apprenticeship, I most often think of like a Johnny Tremaine type situation. Like it's the 1800s and someone's teaching me a very specific trade. And obviously that applies to a certain extent with teaching. But why is the relational aspect um, of a mentorship program or of, of, of the mentor-mentee relationship, relationship so crucial when it comes to teaching in particular? Like what about teaching is necessitates that uh buck i'll let you answer that one first okay um well in one sense i because te- my first initial uh initial response is that teaching is not a science it's an art um and because of that it's not it's not a checklist of things that you can do i was just having this conversation today actually it's not you, you can't just break down what good teaching is into a checklist and then say, if you do these things, you'll be good or you'll be successful. Hmm. Um, you really <laughs> need to see it. Um, you really need to be seen doing it. And I mean, you need that help of somebody else. I, th- I think of Gilbert Hyatt's book, the art of teaching where he talks about that. He goes through, kind of the, the, the process of preparing, you know, what a teacher does. Um, but the last section of that book is he goes through and, and shows um, a number of great teachers, and he shows how each of them were different. And, and so, you know, this idea of breaking it into a science is you, you, you take some of the great teachers through history, and they didn't do the same things the same way. Hmm. Um, they're, they're all unique. And so, which actually goes back to something my dad had taught me. I mean, sometimes I draw analogies with my, my time training horses, which seems maybe to some people, but, Hmm. um, it was an educational setting, although it was with animals. Um, but when I was growing up and I was learning from my dad, one of the things he told me was, uh, you know, listen to everybody because there are a lot of horse trainers out there and a lot of them have different ideas on how to do things. And uh, listen to everybody, use what you can and throw out the rest. And so, I I mean, in in one way, I kind of, that's how I approach things um, sometimes is that, you know, you've got to go out, you can't do something exactly the same way somebody else does. Um, When I see a good teacher and, and I see something that that teacher does, I may be able to replicate it. I may not be. 
Um, but that teacher has found a niche. That that teacher has something that's unique to him or her that they are he or she's able to do, and it works for them. Um, one of my coworkers loves poetry, and and he begins every class by reading a poem, whether it's a Latin class or whatever that he's teaching. If I tried to do that, I don't think I would be nearly as successful as he is. Um, but there's something about uh, about the teaching. I think that's what I pick up is that you you look at a number of different teach great teachers, good teachers, mm-hmm. and you find the things that they do that work um, well for you. And it, and what you can't use, it's okay that you you can't do everything somebody else does. But you can only find and discover those things in terms of uh, being able to to see it um, to be to be in relation to, to that other person. Hmm. Matt, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think, um, I think that's why, that's why we, we need mentors because in, in, in the relationship with a mentor and, and again, talking about it the way, the way, you know, Buck described it initially, the way you described it initially, Buck, with it being a relationship over an extended period of time, the the mentor will get will will get to know me will get to know my strengths and weaknesses and will help me to be able to to focus my attention toward that which um, takes advantage of my strengths but also incre- improves me in the area of my weaknesses and the uh, the, you know, if I, if I'm trying to do this all by myself and I'm trying to learn all these things myself, I'm not always sufficiently aware of my strengths and weaknesses. Um, if in, sometimes when I am, I tend to ignore my weaknesses and focus on my strengths. But also, I, I I might not realize that the thing that I'm trying to adapt from another teacher, like reading the poetry at the beginning of class. I might not be aware that that's something that goes against who I am as a teacher and, and, and what my strengths and weaknesses are, where, where a mentor is there to help me work through, the, through those things, to help guide me through those things so that I can better identify what are the things to keep, what are the things to throw away, what are the things to listen to, you know, what are the things to ignore, um, the a, a mentor who has gone through this process himself, who has who has been mentored herself, will be able to help me do that more successfully. Whereas there, there's a lot of there's a lot of trial and error that um, that I would have to go through doing it on my own. It, it reminds me of an essay in Wendell Berry's book, Standing by Words, where he's talking about the farmer, and he talks about all of the all of the mistakes, all the kinds of mistakes that a first-generation farmer will have to go through if he's doing it all on his own. Things like, you know, buying his plot of land for the for the first time and then walking around the land saying, okay, I'm going to put my barn here and I'm going to put my house over here and I'm going to put my cows over there and my chickens over here and not knowing that the land itself is – requires the barn to be in this other place and the chickens to be in this other place and whatever. And, and then he has to go through that. If he, if he's a first generation farmer with no mentor, he has to go through all of that trial and error on his own. And then Wendell Berry describes 
what is the second what 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 does a second generation farmer gain from having that knowledge passed down by the first generation farmer and then the third generation farmer and the fourth generation farmer i think he goes all the way to the fifth generation farmer and 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 you can even see that there are new errors there are new mistakes that come along with the third and fourth generation farm or the second and third generation farmer that because they they weren't even problems that the first generation farmer had to face but then the second generation farmer does, so there are new new truths learned that get passed on to the third, and so on. Uh, that so this idea of you know these trial and errors that we can we can avoid some of those by having a mentor. Um, you you could very easily read Barry's essay and change out the word farmer for teacher, and change out the word farm for school, and change out the word farming for education, hmm. and all everything he says applies. So, okay, this is, I mean, you're both, uh, you both are mentors, so this might be a strange question to answer, but given what you're saying, there is a degree of faith or trust that someone would have to put in, in someone, someone else to trust them to be a mentor. So how do you know if a person is a good mentor or that they're telling you the right things or whatever? Like how do, I mean... It's easy if your if your person is like Plato, right? <laughs> or Socrates, I guess. If if you're if you're Plato and Socrates is your mentor or whatever, maybe you maybe you're Plato, so you're pretty smart, so you probably figured it out. But uh, like, if how did you guys know that you were being properly mentored? I guess maybe that's the question. Because I don't I don't necessarily you don't need to like give an advertisement for yourself right now as a mentor. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking like bigger picture. How do you how do you know that? Is that answerable? Go, I don't know. Go ahead, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Well, for, I mean, in, when I had to make the decision, which was back in 2011, mm-hmm. and, and I joined the apprenticeship, um, the decision was made based on two, 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 two things. Uh, one, I knew somebody in the apprenticeship who was, you know, going into her third year, and it came highly recommended to me from her, mm. and then the second thing was I had I had attended the uh the conference that year in Dallas Fort Worth in 2011 and had heard Andrew speak had met him had talked to him a little bit and i don't know i like that's that's the part where it gets it gets tricky it gets gray i don't know how <laughs> i knew i wanted to be apprenticed by him but i knew having met him i wanted to be apprenticed by him and i i think i think in some, in, in a lot of cases you know the the story with plato I don't, you know, I don't know how true it is, but the story with Plato is that he was on his way to a competition where he was going to, where he was going to present a couple of plays that he'd written, and on the way there, he heard Socrates speak, and then ditched the plays and began following Socrates. So he heard Socrates, you know, according to to, to the myth or the legend, he heard Socrates one time and just knew it. Uh, I, I think I think often that that's what happens, right? We just just our soul heart, our soul resonates with something that the person's saying, and we know we need more, and and then we reach out to that person to be our mentor, or try to, or want to. <laughs> Buck, do you have anything to add? Well, yeah, it's funny. My my experience was a little different. I I hadn't gone to the conference. Um, I. <laughs> I uh, to be honest, I actually felt almost at first like I was duped because um, I wanted to. I, I came to the apprenticeship wanting to know how to teach, 
And uh, I remember the first day I showed up and we were meeting at a school there in Concord in a, above the gym. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we started talking about one with well, classical education. I thought, well, that's pretty neat. We did a metaphor on classical education. But then we started talking about lost tools of writing. And I was like, what is this? And then the fact that I was going to have to teach a lesson later in the week on the lost tools of writing, I'm thinking, I didn't come here to learn how to write. I I came here to learn how to teach classically. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it took me a while. Um, I had to trust the system, right? I had to trust it. And, uh, And I think for what Matt said was exactly right, where I was going in my thought, it was the reason I stayed and, and, and continued and, and, um, and that I trusted it and trusted, uh, my mentor, trusted Andrew was that, that what was being said was resonating with me. And, um, it, 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 it was continually challenging me in thought and contemplation. And it was really the contemplation of ideas. And it was as my, vision, my perception of these ideas was growing stronger that, again, it took time. It took time for me to be able to put that together with how to imitate this. Um, um, So I I guess in terms of a good mentor was, was for me in one sense, it was coming, trusting it, um, but, but also finding that it resonated, um, with what I was pursuing. Mm-hmm. Well, let's flip it then because everybody who, <clears throat> everybody who is a teacher by definition is a mentor to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. So even if you're not mentoring other teachers, like the two of you are, you're at least mentoring students. Um, and that's, that's a pretty challenging idea. It's like, it's a difficult thing to do. It's also just challenging to, to a thing to challenging thing to think about. But when you're thinking about, mentoring students or another person what is the like where do you begin like what's the like how do you how do you begin that relationship and so this is obviously going to be true for each of you when you start a new year and you've got apprentices who you're building new relationships with but it's also true for our listeners who are teaching um new students in the classroom or are starting a new year with their own children and and so any of those are all different kinds of mentorship relationships but where do you begin? Like, where do you start that relationship or that mentorship? Matt, I'll let you start with that one. What, as, as a mentor or as an apprentice? As a, as a mentor. Like, so, so take what you're doing, you know, in the apprenticeship with other, with other teachers. And then how, what, what's also true of, of that, that could be true in the classroom for the, for the listener who is mentoring their students in their classrooms. I, I think, I, I think there's this it's at this point where I think there's a there's a, a divergence between mentoring apprentices and mentoring students because in 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 any case when, when it comes to teaching in any case you're always you always have to begin by answering questions that are actually being asked now that hmm. that can mean one of two things either they're asking the questions explicitly like how do I teach? Yeah. Or they're asking the questions kind of on their periphery. Like they, it's something that they're, that's in the back of their mind, um, hidden away that they're not actually explicitly saying, 
But if they were to happen upon that information, they would stop and read that article or listen to that lecture or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so they're asking the question. The the here here's where it diverges from students though is because students aren't necessarily asking questions about the subject or about the the thing that you're trying to teach them, right? The information or the skill or whatever you're trying to teach them. So as a teacher, you have to you have to do something to provoke those questions in order to be able to answer them for the students. In mentorship, it's a little bit different because if, as long as you as long as you honestly showed or told the the, the apprentice what you're going to offer them, for example, how to teach, then then they're coming there with with the question, "How do I teach?" and as long as they're open to you answering that question, they'll, they'll, you, you can address it in any way because you're answering the a question that, that has been asked. Now it's, it gets tricky. Like I think what you were getting at Buck was that you went in there with the question, how to teach. And then Andrew was answering that question, but from a different angle that you were expecting. And unfortunately you trusted him and, and then it all worked out in the end. I hope, I guess that's why you're back. Right. Um, <laughs> but the uh, so yeah, there has there's a certain amount of trust there, but I can kind of begin almost anywhere because I'm going to begin with answers to questions that I know they're asking. Now, I mean, on a more practical, from a more practical perspective, you know, my what I've learned to do and what I do in in mentoring with the apprenticeship is you know we start out with introductions, try to get a feel for where everybody's at. Um, you know, where, why are they here? What is their, what is their background with classical education? What is their background with teaching with whatever? And, you know, what do they, sometimes we ask questions like, you know, what do you, what do you know about me as the mentor? What do you think about me? Uh, which is, can make you vulnerable, right? What do you, what is your opinion of me? And then they say, well, I think you're an idiot, but, um, it happens. <laughs> I'm talking now. Uh, but anyways, um, you know, you start out with that kind of practical introduction, and then we pray together and, and, you know, it's not a quick, like, okay, Lord, thank you for bringing us together and, you know, bless our time together. But it's, it's more of, you know, we, it's an, it's more of an extended prayer that, um, that, you know, begins that process. I think of, no, I don't, I don't, I, I, I hesitate to say this because I don't want to make it sound like we're using the prayer to accomplish some other pragmatic goal, but you can't. The, the fact is you can't pray together with people um, in, in that way, in that intimate way, and it not begin knitting knitting you together. So we pray together and it has that effect. We pray together because, you know, it's a, we pray. That's what Christians are called to do. But um, but it also has that, that effect of, you know, beginning to unite us in an intimacy, spiritual intimacy. Hmm. Uh Buck, I guess you have anything to add to what he's saying? Well, to the teacher who's uh, coming into the a new class at the beginning of the year with new students, um, and how to establish and build trust or relationship, mm-hmm. um, yeah, for me, I go back to the essay of Coleridge on education, where in the opening line he says. Um, it, um, in the education of children, love is first to be instilled and out of love, um, obedience educed. 
and it's the instilling of love. And in that, careful, because it's not exactly, you know, my love for the student. It's it's the love of the teacher for it's the object or the 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 content, the 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 thing in which you are contemplating. Um, so I'm a teacher of Latin. And so it has to be my love of Latin that pours out onto the students. Hmm. And it's when they begin to partake in that. That's where the building of the relationship begins. Hmm. Hmm. I I remember my very first day in the in being apprenticed, and Andrew was ill, and he missed the first half of the day. He was laid up in bed. I, I think he had his, he had strained his back or something. And huh. Buck, you led that whole morning for us, and you opened us with that with that passage from, from Coleridge. Mm. I remember contemplating that with you that, that morning. And the rest, and the rest is history. (laughs) (laughs) We're still working on inducing obedience. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say it worked. I just said we did. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, we're, I don't want to go too long on this. Uh, we're going on close to, th- well, 35 minutes now. Um, what is the biggest challenge um, that you think that most people would face um, both with – well, here, Matt, I'll ask you. What do you think the biggest challenge that people face with being a mentee is? And then, Buck, I want you to answer. What do you think the biggest challenge is with being a mentor? Hmm. I think the um, I think the biggest challenge – I think the biggest challenge for for being a mentee is admitting that you're ready to be mentored, um, identifying that you're ready to be mentored. Like, because you know the other question, the other the other challenge that you already brought up is how do you select a mentor? Yeah. The um, the but the the next thing is or the the other hurdle which usually comes before the identifying a mentor is. is admitting or acknowledging to myself that I'm ready for it. And so many people think I'm not smart enough. I've not read the right books. I've not read, I've not learned the right skills. I've not, um, you know, accomplished the right tasks. I haven't checked off the right checkboxes, whatever. So not like pride, like I'm too good for this stuff so much as not feeling like you're up for it. Yeah. I think, I think that's, well, yeah, <laughs> I, I guess it actually goes both ways, right? For the people who, for some people, it's, oh, I'm ready for this. I'm ready to go there and, and give this guy, tell the mentor this guy, which was kind of my attitude first time around. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's typically people are afraid or they're not, they don't believe that they're ready. But, but all of those things that they want, that they say they need to do in order to be mentored are the things that they need to do under a mentor. But I don't, I don't join a mentor because I've already read Homer. I join a mentor. I I join myself to a mentor because I want that mentor to help me read Homer. Um, I don't join a, uh, uh, join myself to a mentor because I want to, um, because I already know how to teach and I want to learn how to teach better. I join myself to a mentor in order to learn to teach. I may, I may already have a little bit of experience with it, but um, I don't need to be 
a great teacher in order to join myself to a mentor to learn how to teach. Does does even make sense? Um, so I think I think that tends to be the biggest hurdle. And the 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 answer to that question, how do I know when I'm ready, is willingness. I the 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 it's you're ready to be mentored when you're willing to be mentored. When you're willing to trust somebody else to help you, to guide you, to govern you in this area. It's not it's not about it's not the question is not am I smart enough? The question is not have I done enough? Am I experienced enough? The question is, am I ready enough? Am I willing enough? Um, not ready enough. Am I willing enough? And then if you're willing to be met, to be governed by somebody or mentored by somebody, then join yourself to a mentor, find that person and join yourself to him or her. Hmm. Uh, Buck, uh, challenge to being a mentor. What do you, what do you think there? Yeah. Well, first, the readiness is all. Come on, Matt. <laughs> yeah, that was that was really a good point, though. That I don't. I've already read Homer, so why should I um, to learn how to read Homer? That was that was good. I think that's a good point. Um, the um, I fall back on the challenge of the like. So the, really, it's the same difficult, or same challenge for the mentors. The readiness is all right, um, but. It really it goes back to um, it's something that I've 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 I don't know maybe I've wrote, wrote, said something about this in the past but it's something I, I think about a lot and it's this concept of breathing that I refer to and that the teacher the biggest challenge to the mentor is is to breathe is to inhale um, because the, the the mentor the teacher is always exhaling. And um, if they never take the time to inhale, if they never take the time to feed themselves, hmm. um, that's the biggest challenge. Um, they're always because you were always very concerned about about giving, about um, uh, you know teaching, about uh, leading, guiding, mentoring, doing doing things, output. Um, and if we neglect the input, that's that could be. Um, that could be harmful. Would you say that's a pretty universal truth for all teachers? I think so. Yeah, definitely. Buck, would you say on that point? Would you say that in and because of that, you never actually rid yourself of the need for a mentor? Guys, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I might have a particular mentor for a particular season. Um, as I'm, you know, working through or learning some particular thing, but but I always I always need a relationship with somebody that's helping me to strive, yes. somebody that's that's more mature, more no, more knowing, knowledgeable than I am, that that's helping me to strive to become better. But then I even even if I'm mentoring somebody else for whom I'm trying to help them strive to be better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's good. Were you going to say something? No, I, okay. I'm, I think no, it's good. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I guess, I guess this is, this is going to sound a little bit marketing, mar- advertising, but like what's, uh, what, um, well, I'll just put it this way. Why should someone join like the Cersei apprenticeship? Why should someone join like you guys in particular. <laughs> Go ahead, Matt. I think, I think 
that I, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer this question and why somebody should join Buck. Oh, uh, <laughs> I think smart. Buck smart. Is, <laughs> I think in you know in the in the time that I've known Buck, which goes back to 2011. Um, I, I think I think Buck is is a guy that as as a mentor that there, that there's a there's a humility. Um, so you, you don't, you, you don't feel like, like he doesn't, you feel like you're an idiot. Um, the, uh, that, that definitely should but, go but, under the list of but, things mentors shouldn't do probably. You're right. 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 <laughs> uh, but there's, but there's a, uh, but, it, but there's a, uh, there's a, uh, I don't even know what the word is here. I'm going to, I'm going to say it this way. I'm going to use theological terms because I don't have the, the other terms for it. Um, there's a sense, the sense in which in which Buck is both transcendent and imminent. Um, <laughs> okay, now let me hash out what I mean there. <laughs> yeah, you better. There's a sense in which <laughs> there's a sense in which in which Buck is is imminent in that he's he's approachable and um, and, and and you know he's fun. He can he like you know he's teased me at times just on the show, right? That that you can have that kind of relational connection with him. But then there's this transcendence to him where, where you, you, you can't help but realize this is a smart guy who loves what he loves. And, you know, the example he, he gave earlier, Buck was, was Latin, but, but I've seen you, you know, I've, I've seen you discussing Coleridge. I've seen you, you know, helping me work through the lost tools of writing or through mimetic teaching. There's a, uh, uh, there's a love that you have for teaching, a love that you have for writing, for thinking, for communication, for, for Latin, and, um, and and those are all things that that kind of sets you apart from me as an apprentice. That I want to strive for, that I want to uh, to 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 work toward, um, and and yet there's that imminence where you know you're relational, you're approachable, you're you're fun. Um, that I th- I think those two things, those two traits, are very important in a mentor apprentice relation mentor mentee relationship and i think that you bring that to the table um and so anybody would be would be lucky to have you as a mentor can i say lucky or it would be providential for anybody to have you as a mentor (laughs) well i guess buck you now need to follow that up Gratis, gratis plurimus to be argue. <laughs> uh, many thanks. Um, yeah, well, I'll, I'll reciprocate. Um, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, one of the things I, it's, I think that the, the Cersei apprenticeship would be, is unique. Um, and, uh, maybe even this conversation with us and, uh, between me and Matt, between Matt and I and, and uh, you, David, is that, uh, there's a there's a diversity and uniqueness uh, to it that you're going to get um, different personalities, but they're not they're not soft. They're not um, shallow. I mean, Matt's got a great sense of humor. That's one of the things I've always liked about Matt. But um, but also even listening in this conversation, um, I enjoy listening to Matt because um, here's a guy that's serious. Um, is a guy that uh, is thinks clearly about a lot of things and can communicate it well, um, better than I. And, uh, 
and that's the, that's why I enjoy I'm enjoy listening to this and I enjoy listening to uh, his way to, his Matt's ability to, to to look into the heart of teaching and to the heart of mentoring and uh, of learning. And so, I think for anybody, um, and and of course there are the other great mentors as well. You know, Leah and Renee um, out in the South and the West Coast. That the, what Cersei's doing as far as uh, a, a mentorship, apprenticeship, and um, being able to provide that across the um, the nation, you know, into the different parts of our uh, of our country, um, that we have unique personalities who are passionate about classical education and um, are passionate about truth and are passionate about learning how to think well, how to think rightly, and to be able to communicate that. And, um, and that's the, uh, that's the great thing about, um, I think, um, having the opportunity to be able to, to, to join an apprenticeship. Hmm. All right. That's enough of that guys. Come on. Well, yeah, I know it's getting a little too, we got to get a little rough here. (laughs) (laughs) Moving it's on. It's a good point, though. I, I, um, I, I probably, I probably caused am causing a problem by because because I focused on on Buck, and then you ended up having to focus on me. Uh, <laughs> it becomes it's like we're talking about the East Coast specifically, but all of those things are very very true of um, you know Leah on the West Coast and of Renee on the Gulf Coast or in Texas there that. You're, you're talking about two other people that have both gone through the three-year program, having been mentored by Andrew, and um, and then and then bringing their own skill sets. And and again, you're talking about um, you know wisdom, a, 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 a plethora of experience with teaching, with rhetoric, with the liberal arts. You're talking about um, people that that love. Teach, love, love teaching, love their students, and love what this is all what the program is about. You're talking about ladies that are funny, um, that you can't. Yeah, I mean, it, it really, any one of the mentorship programs or the apprenticeship programs with any one of these head mentors, I think, would be of value to anybody interested in joining. And you know, the 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 because they're because they're all so good. The easiest way to do that, of course, would just be to join the one closest to you. It would also be cheaper for you from a traveling cost perspective. Yeah. Um, the but and and you would be well served by any of them. So it's important to say that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was gonna, I was gonna say we got, can't forget Renee and and Leah. Um, and also, if you want to um, learn more about Renee and Leah, Renee and Leah. They both have talks and blog posts on our website at various different places that you can that you can find. So you could go to the site and search them. Um, I guess that's it. We should probably wrap this up. It's getting a little bit long. Um, but uh, thanks for joining me. If anybody wants to learn more about the apprenticeship, you can head over to searcyinstitute.org uh, slash apprenticeship for more details. Um, all the, the requisite, well, details are there as far as calendars and prices and books and all the different things that go into it um do either of you have any final thoughts before we uh hit the road i was just wondering buck if you could stay on the line afterward because i want to hear you say more nice things about me 
um, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I think I got. Yeah, I'm, go. I'm cutting this call off. <laughs> the the one thing we can't do is have people saying more nice things about Matt. Yeah. yeah. You know, it was it was hard. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. Uh, I was praying for you. <laughs> thanks, guys. Good luck this year with the apprenticeship, and um, you know, we look forward to meeting all the new folks who joined this year. And if you have, if anybody has any questions, uh, who's listening, feel free to shoot us an email. Uh, the best way is probably just info at searchtheinstitute.org. Thank you for joining us on Quiddity as we refreshed ourselves at Cisterns of Learning Dog Long Ago, drawing from springs too deep for taint. Join us next week for another episode and be sure to check out the other shows on the Cersei Podcast Network.